Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Mark Jeffrey, who's an award-winning author and the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, which fashions itself as a next-generation life alert. On this week's tech news, I'm going to talk about how innovative hackers are. So Intel just announced that they have another vulnerability called PlunderVolt, and that is where hackers can use the dynamic voltage in a chip to get access and control that system. We always talk about how in the past we thought that the software inside of a chip was going to be unhackable, and we found that to be false. If you were a Facebook user affected by the 2018 data breach, a judge just recently ruled that you can sue for reasonable security, but you cannot sue for damages unless you can prove that you were actually damaged financially in that breach. This might explain in a recently conducted study that usage of Facebook continues to decline, especially in the 12 to 34-year-old segment, so Xennials and Millennials. Uh, It was measured that in 2019, only 62% of the population had Facebook accounts compared to 67% in 2018. It was attributed that the younger generation actually enjoys Snapchat or Instagram more and is very wary about Facebook's privacy standards. The city of Pensacola, which had the shooting last week, actually also the next day had a ransomware attack. The city reports that it is functioning with only a few services affected, but it is continuing on that cities are being specifically targeted for attacks. And last up in tech news is that the Department of Homeland Security wants to expand airport facial recognition to include all U.S. citizens inbound or outbound of the country. Up until now, it's been tested on only foreign nationals and some select pilot cities. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Mark Jeffrey, who is the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, as well as an award-winning author. Welcome back, Mark. Hey, Keith. Thank you for having me. So, Mark, you have had a really diverse career, so I think we should start off with what's a give people a sense of who you are and then how did you end up in blockchain and cryptocurrency? Yeah. Um, well, I started life as a software engineer, and, um, and basically I've done a couple internet startups along the way. The first one was one called The Palace, kind of 95 through 99, avatar chat thing uh, backed by SoftBank at Telefine Warner. We sold it in 99, and then I did my... Uh, <laughs> my crash company during the sort of 2000, 2001 timeframe. Uh, and then after that, I ended up working with a guy named Travis Kalnick uh, on his second company, Red Swoosh. So I did that with him for about a year and a half or so. And, and, and just so people know, it. Travis is uh, famous as currently is the Uber founder, uh, former Uber CEO. Um, that is all a buzz. Keep going. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then during this time, he had, he had no money at all. So, in fact, he slept on my couch a couple of times. So, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 things have changed. 
So, um, and then after that, I did a business social network called Zero Degrees, uh, 2002 through 2004, right in the same time frame that LinkedIn got its start. Uh, we sold it with a million users to um, Barry Diller's Interactive Corp uh, in 2004, and then uh, I kind of bounced around for a little bit. Oh, that's when I wrote my novel. So I, I, I had a little, you know, I finally was able to take a little bit of a break. So uh, I wrote my first novel um, called Max Quick, The Pocket of the totally different from everything I'd done before. Um, and, 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 and just really quick, happened. what's that about? Uh, well, the plot is time stops all over the world except for a few kids, and uh, there's something special about them as to why they're able to move around and stop time, um, and they have to figure out what it is and reverse it and get, a, you know, get the world back to normal. So the way I thought of it was sort of like the stand, but with kids, right? Uh. I wanted to remove the adults from the equation, so the kids had to figure out what was going on without any adult help. So Got it. Got that's it. the basic plot. Thanks. And so keep going. Yeah, so, um, you know, even though I took a break and, and wrote a novel, um, I put my entrepreneur hat back on when it came time to sell it, tried a whole bunch of different things that didn't work, and ended up podcasting it in early 2005. I was one of the first three people in the world to podcast a novel, serialized, um, and it got millions of downloads. So it ended up getting like 2.5 million downloads, um, got some nice accolades from... Uh, some famous folks, Margaret Atwood, read it, said nice things about it, um, kind of oddly. <laughs> uh, Abigail Breslin mentioned it in a national interview, so it ended up getting published by HarperCollins. So that's sort of one career that I've, I've had. Um, and I've been sort of doing that off and on throughout all the other technical stuff. So after that ended, you know, after that was sort of on its way, um, I got in 2007 a request from Jason Calcanis to be CTO of Mahalo, which was this new, new, cool human-powered search engine based in L.A., backed by Sequoia, and uh, seemed like a good idea. So I said yes and did that for about four years. And then Jason and I founded another company uh, with the comedian Kevin Pollack uh, called This Weekend, and it was a podcast, it's sort of a video podcast company like Reg3, um, things like that. And we had about 30 shows or so. We were a little bit, we were a little bit early. We, 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 we did some things very right and some other things we got wrong. So bottom line, that was kind of a wash. Yeah, um, I, I think, I mean, this is fantastic. I think the story is, uh, as many people who are in the technology world, not just in Silicon Valley, that you can have a lot of things going on at once. You can succeed. You can have some bombs, but you can still uh, live your passion. That's what I think is really fascinating. Yeah, no, I, and look, I, I, I had sort of avoided writing novels and, and writing books for a while, even though that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to do startups also, but I also wanted to write novels. And I just didn't do it for a long time. And I, I'm, I'm sorry I waited as long as I did. So, and I'm also really glad I did it when I did. So, 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 so tell me, how does you go from podcasting the novels to Guardian Circle? And uh, what's a quick intro into Guardian Circle? Yeah, so Guardian Circle is a community emergency response network. So the idea is that friends, family, and neighbors can help each other in a crisis. So push a button, help comes. We create this flash mob of help out of all these people you already know. So it's an app. Uh, it's released worldwide on iOS and Android. You download it. You get your friends, family, and neighbors to also download it and connect with them as guardians in the system. And then when you're in trouble, open the app, press an alert button, and all of your guardians, their phones start you know, going crazy with, you know, eh, 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 and they get a push notification. When they answer, they're brought into a 
shared map in the chat room. So everybody, you know, everyone's sharing location and everybody can talk to everybody in under 30 seconds. So that's, that's the basic idea behind it. And the way it got started was um, around 2014 or so, uh, my girlfriend had a stroke and she was all alone. She works out of her garage. She has a company she runs. And uh, I happened to come home at a weird time and find her. I just happened to come home while this was happening, luckily, and found her, brought her to the hospital. She's fine now, so I always like to let people know she's fine. Uh, but afterwards, when I was sort of reverse engineering what had happened in my mind, I was, you know, strokes are very serious things. If you don't get someone to the hospital in time, people die, people are paralyzed, you know, it, it can be very bad. So I was kind of thinking through, you know, when she was on the, on the floor, uh, there were literally seven people within a thousand yards of her that she knew they could have helped her, but she had no way to reach them. And I started thinking, well, there must, someone must have done an app to sort of, you know, address this issue. And when I went and looked, what I discovered was there were a lot of kind of electronic scream for help apps where there was a panic button and you pushed it and a push notification went out. To hey, hey, Mark, I'm going to pause you right where you're at right now. We'll pick it right back up in the next segment. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm with the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, Mark Jeffrey, who's also an award-winning author. If you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, email us at info at svin.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. I'm joined with Mark Jeffrey, who is a world-renowned and award-winning author, as well as the CEO of Guardian Circle. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you, Keith. Glad to be here. So, Mark, here's a question for you. Although Bitcoin is over 10 years old, and... There is a lot of buzz around Bitcoin and Ethereum, and we talk a lot about blockchain and cryptocurrency all the time. There's still a lot of naysayers. There's still a lot of skepticism. I wanted to ask you, especially with your project we're talking about, Guardian Circle, what do you think it's going to take to get mass adoption for, of cryptocurrency and blockchain? Um, well, to me, that's a pretty easy question to answer. Um, it's user interface. Uh, you know, there's only something between 30 million and 50 million wallets in all of crypto worldwide with 7 billion people on earth. And it seems like it's kind of stalled out there. And, you know, the reason is, uh, I think, uh, it's just too hard to use these, to use crypto wallets. You have to use this big, long string of letters and numbers that looks frightening to the average person. We need, uh, you know, an AOL um, simple user interface uh, like the web browser gave us to the internet, um, and we started using domains instead of text and IP addresses, right? So um, a wallet where you can send crypto to someone using their face and their name, not some crypto address. Uh, you know, you have, you have a situation where you can actually purchase crypto very simply from within the wallet. There's been a lot of attempts at it, but nobody's really cracked that yet. And Facebook's Libra looked like it was about to crack it, and then now it looks like Libra may be stillborn. <laughs> um, but that at least was a, a great attempt at it. I love the user interface they presented for that. Well, thanks a lot. That's really enlightening. And just to follow up to what you said, Mark, I totally agree. I think that once, a couple things. I agree with what you're saying, that we need better UI in 
the product itself. And also, once people stop hearing about, because the most recent South Korean uh, crypto exchange hack of up it, it was like $46, $49 million worth of Ethereum. I think once people first think my funds can be secured, and then the next part of it is also what you were saying. And we recently had Robert Beatles on who's doing um, Monarch, trying to make UI simpler as well. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of adoption. So let's park that part of it. I think also use cases, uh, we talk a lot about dApps. We talked a lot about um, other ways to get people into it. I think what we were talking about earlier in the last segment, you're just getting into the formation of Guardian Circle. Let's continue on with that story. Yeah, so this whole thing happened with my girlfriend. And when I went looking for the app that I was picturing in my head, I discovered a lot of cosmetically similar apps um, that had panic buttons on them. There were a lot. And what I realized was when you push that button, it sent a text link out by SMS to five or six uh, people that that person knew that said something like, Mark's in trouble, click here to help him, link. And if you got that SMS from me, what would you do? You'd look at that link and you'd be like, well, I, what is this? I don't know what this is. That's a weird, that's a spam link maybe. Maybe Mark's phone has been hacked. So I'm not, I'm not clicking on that link. So what would you do? You would call me. So if I'm on the floor of my garage, I now have six inbound phone calls. <laughs> that does not help me. So whatever. So with Guardian Circle, I thought we have to do something which solves the second half of the problem, which is providing a coordinated response. So the idea, the picture I had in my head was this map with everyone's location on it, the alerter and the responders. Everyone can see everybody else's location and everybody can talk to everybody. That way, all this information can flow that doesn't normally flow. And remember, those responders are people that all know you, but they don't know each other, not necessarily. Your mom and your neighbor probably don't know one another. They've probably never met. And yet your mom knows you're allergic to bee stings and your neighbor is right there and knows where the key is hidden and get, gets responders into your house. Mm -hmm. So all this information is normally locked up in people's heads can flow around. And, you know, it can make the difference to saving someone's life. With my girlfriend, those seven people, had they been able to, first of all, know she was having an emergency, and second of all, be able to coordinate, even just enough to see who's closest, who can go over there and help her out, that could have made a difference between her being paralyzed or dying. So, you know, I, I just didn't see anyone who was solving the problem in the way specifically that I was thinking of in my head. So I decided to build it. So that's how Guardian Circle was initially born. That's a great story. So question, are you still together with your girlfriend? Yes, we are. <laughs> and so she fully recovered, even though she had a stroke, she, she's uh, doing okay? Yeah, what we discovered, so I, I didn't get into it during the story. We thought it was a stroke at the time. It okay. was a migraine that presented exactly like a stroke. Um, so think of it like, you know, her brain started going crazy. Think of it like a software stroke mm -hmm. as opposed to a hardware stroke, you know, where the blood is cut off from the brain. Same effect, though. Like the, your body starts numbing. You can't talk. You can't type. Uh, your words become nonsensical. You know, so it's the same feeling and the same effect. Great. Well, it's good to hear that she's okay. And also, classic story out of a a personal situation, um, an incident, a tragedy, you're able to come up with a very useful idea for the community. Uh, let me know if this is an oversimplification. Is this similar or different to First Alert or Life Alert? No, you're actually quite right. This is a next generation Life Alert. So, you know, and it's also peer-to-peer, -peer, right? So Life Alert, you 
have a device, you wear around your neck, it's 30 bucks a month, and an operator then basically asks you if they should call 911 for you. Uh, but your friends, family, and neighbors have nothing to do with that system. Um, whereas we are very much peer-to-peer. You can have, you know, 10 guardians, you can have 100 guardians, 500 guardians, however many you want. And, you know, our, our thesis is that your friends, family, and neighbors are closest and can help you fastest, and also, theoretically, they're free, right? So you're not paying 30 bucks a month. Okay. So that's kind of like an on-star for people. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're in the edge delivery of health business, right? Those people are closest, just like in edge delivery or, you know, Akamai CDNs. Same idea. We're doing with people what they do with this. Yeah, and that's why I'm really glad you went into the how Guardian Circle started and what the use cases are because I think once people get away from cryptocurrency, uh, they think about blockchain and the use cases of using blockchain as a technology or other cryptographic methods or other secure databases, they will start to see the value in being able to do that. And I think also what's interesting at the time we're in in technology, uh, Facebook and Google – which comes up a lot, they are now seen as the centralized gorillas of technology where people originally started using them 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago for Google. They thought, hey, this is really democratized internet. I can do whatever I want. I have control. And now we're finding that there's actually de facto centralization. Facebook gets to control. Twitter gets to control what you actually see. If it wanted to, it can uh, rank higher or lower search results, and it really does take control out of the way of people. So back to blockchain as a framework, as a technology, folks like you and what you're developing, you're giving people and communities access to creating their own ecosystems. Yeah, that's totally correct. I mean, we've talked about seniors, you talked about life alert, but there's a number of different groups that for different reasons um, all benefit from Guardian Circle. So just three or four more examples People who live in remote areas. So if you live in Australia, most of that's remote. Uh, if you live in L.A., if you're up in Topanga or Malibu, it's hard to get up there with official services. Same with the Hollywood Hills. Um, in India, uh, we partnered last year with the XPRIZE Foundation on the Women's Safety XPRIZE. And the reason behind that was when women are assaulted sexually in India and they call the cops, the cops come and assault them also. So the only reason, how do you solve that? The answer is usually more cops, but in this case, more cops makes the situation worse. So some sort of peer-to-peer grid of response is the only reasonable solution. I also have a group of realtors uh, here in the United States. Uh, Realtors are frequently women, and they're alone in a house with strange men a lot of times. So they are at risk. So they're very concerned uh, about, you know, their safety and banding together to protect one another. I've also been talking with a bunch of um, hey, hey, Mark, we're, we're gonna we're, yeah, we'll get back to that because it's a super interesting okay. topic, and I, I got some things to tie in with that. So you're listening to Silicon Valley sure. Insider with Keith Koo, joined with Mark Jeffrey, who is the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle. Any questions or comments about what we're talking about? Email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 828 7846 that's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo. Once again, I have Mark Jeffrey, who is an award-winning author and the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, which is fashioned to be a next-generation life alert. 
On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about a combination of tech and really just old school fraud. A team of five has just been charged with a $722 million crypto mining Ponzi scheme. So we often talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency. The first thing I'll say is if it's something you don't understand, don't get into it, even though you think you might get rich. Uh, likely, if you don't understand the technology, you understand how to actually set it up, um, you will probably lose far more money than you'll make. And so in this case, this group of five had figured out several years ago that by promoting a crypto mining pool, so think of it analogous to an investment club, that they could lure people into quick, rich schemes. And so they worked on that for quite a while, building up a very large user base, paying out returns, just like an old-fashioned Ponzi scheme. And then at some point, they realized that the money was going to run out, and they closed up shop. And so it took several years for the FBI to catch up to them, the Department of Justice, but now they're being charged. So the cyber tip is this. Whether or not a traditional investment or a cryptocurrency investment or some yet undiscovered innovative way of making digital money, always be very wary and do your due diligence. And if it's something you don't understand, learn about it, but don't just fall in for it. And unfortunately, the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, says that this type of activity is becoming more and more prevalent and rising every day. So always be wary and take the time to understand. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Mark Jeffrey, who is an award-winning author and the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, an app based on blockchain technology. Welcome back, Mark. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Mark, in our last segment, we we're talking about Guardian Circle, how it formed, the, the story behind it with your girlfriend who thought she might be having a stroke. Turned out it was great news that she didn't, and how this community, kind of a first responder, life alert approach to using blockchain technology to alert people is, is um, becoming more in the mainstream. I want to you know, follow up with what you're talking about just at the end of the last segment, you're, how realtors who are often women might be alone or how um, in certain societies like India, people can't really, uh, have, they can't really trust necessarily law enforcement to accurately uh, document um, a sex crime or something like that. I think that's really useful. I mentor at 42 Silicon Valley, this free coding academy started by Xavier Neal, the French telecom CEO. So 42 also has an incubator. And one of uh, the students who went back to India, she actually came up with a very similar use case using IoT devices, but still had the same concern. So I'm going to have to connect you to because she's doing the hardware aspect of being able to do a, like a physical life alert for um, certain types of situations, but you've got the software behind it. So it might be a really good connection for you. Yeah, that would be, that would be a great connection. We have an API exactly for people like her that have hardware devices to plug all sorts of alert generating devices into Guardian Circle so that that thing, whatever it is, can generate your Guardian Circle alert instead of your phone. Uh, and that's, that's already running today. We've plugged Amazon Alexa in ourselves. Uh, and that was actually the uh, when we partnered with the XPRIZE last year, um, that, that was a hundred devices all plugged into Guardian Circle. And we tested that uh, <laughs> in Dubai, India, um, their phone system there. So uh, it's been pretty well battle tested at this point. 
That, that's great. So let's talk about how do where's Guardian Circle at right now? Is it uh, pre-product in production? Um, how do people test it or get used to it? Yeah, so it's released, um, and this is the 3.0 version of Guardian Circle. Um, it's released worldwide in English only, though, on iOS and Android. Um, so you can download it. When you do, we give you a little bit of Guard, which is our cryptocurrency, uh, for downloading. So you have some, you know, some starter Guard to play with. Um, as you invite friends, family, and neighbors, and they accept, you earn a little bit more Guard. Um, and after you respond to an alert, um, there is an opportunity for you to be rewarded in Guard by the people you, you have responded to, and vice versa. When you create an alert, you have an opportunity to reward your responders with Guard. And there's, there's all kinds of different ways in which Guard plays into, Guard is the crypto, it's lots of different ways in which it plays into the ecosystem. Uh, but mostly all of them boil down to reward, uh, rewards and loyalty points, that kind of thing. Yeah, so... Uh, in the future... Yeah, right. Well, I was just going to say, when we refer to rewards and loyalty points, and it's related to blockchain or cryptocurrency, uh, just think about it as frequent flyer miles. Yeah, same, same kind of thing. So uh, now in the future, you, you talked a little bit about um, the accountability for official services in India and places like that. Right now, we do keep a transcript of all alerts, uh, so that's stored on our, on our centralized server, and all of our users have access to those same transcripts, too. So if you uh, created an alert or participated in someone else's, both of you have full access to the transcript of everything that happened, the map of where everyone was at, all that stuff. That's stored centrally right now. In the future, however, we're going to store that on the blockchain, at which point that transcript is immutable and tamper-proof. So corrupt officials cannot mess with the evidence. And to be fair, corrupt alerters cannot mess with the evidence either, right? So everyone can rest assured this is a true and accurate representation of what actually happened. So that's another kind of interesting use of blockchain that we're throwing into the mixture. Yeah, let's go back into that just as a reminder. When we talk about blockchain, um, a true blockchain is decentralized. There's a lot of people, fan, you know, fans of decentralization and centralization. So let's just make it simple that pure blockchain decentralized like a Bitcoin, but that the underlying cryptographic methods have been around for over 40 years. Um, governments around the world, including the U.S., have been using that for secure communications. And so that's not new. And that uh, you were mentioning that your solution right now, that the data is being stored centrally, but the objective is to eventually make that completely decentralized so it's tamper-proof versus tamper-resistant. And that would be um, very useful in the case of evidence. Yes, exactly. And also, I just wanted to clarify one other thing, just to make sure everyone's on the same page. We do not use blockchain for everything. So the alerting system uh, and, you know, the chat rooms and the location sharing, that is not on the blockchain in any sense. Um, we, you know, all that stuff is done traditionally the same way Uber does it on a, you know, giant AWS server farm. Um, and the reason why is because you know, blockchain would be the wrong tool for that particular job, at least right now. Blockchains are tortoises. We need a hair. Right? <laughs> it's an emergency. And, you know, and, and blockchains are still kind of new. So you have things like CryptoKitties happen on Ethereum. You have, like, this uh, the CPU crisis that's currently happening on EOS, where a lot of uh, dApps suddenly stopped working, right? So, uh, you know, if, if our emergency system was built on that and, every, you know, something went wrong to that degree, people might die. So we cannot build uh, on a public blockchain right now in the same fashion. We're just not fast enough yet. 
So that may not always be true. That, you know, I think down the road, and I think not too much further down the road, it might actually be realistic to rebuild it on top of a blockchain. We'll, you know, we'll have a look and cross that road when we come to it. But for right now, uh, you know, we use blockchain where it's applicable. We don't use it where it's not. Yeah, and that's completely okay. I, I would say back to lots of comparisons to blockchain still being in its infancy as being adopted as a technology. Um, I've spoken at conferences where very senior uh, government leaders who are still learning it as well. Um, they talk about the ideal state. Well, take your example, not just the the speed and processing times of a decentralized blockchain, because by definition, it's going to take a long time because you want to make sure it's not um, hacked or tampered with. Uh, it's also immutable. So if you're storing sensitive data on the blockchain as a database, that data will be there forever. So if you thought about storing your driver's license, your passport, or personally identifiable information, you really don't want it directly on a decentralized blockchain right now. You actually want it in an encrypted database that's not connected to a public ledger. Right. Yeah, it's still, I mean, look, it's still early days for a lot of these things. We're, you know, everyone makes the comparison that, you know, we're 1994 on the internet. And, you know, it's kind of, that year kind of jumps around, but I think by and large, that's still fairly correct. Yeah, I, I tell a story a lot um, since I spent half my career at Cisco Systems and uh, met a lot of the true pioneers of the internet when they were in Stanford dorms in the mid-80s. And they, they talk about stringing their two dorm floors together to make the first local area network and how you know there's no safety or security back then in regards to what they were doing. Back to blockchain being an immutable database and very good for um, trustless transactions that's all good, but everything around that uh, takes more time and effort, which we're not there yet. So I wanted to come back around to how do people engage? So with Guardian Circle, do you provide wallets? Do they get their own crypto wallet? What's, how does that work? Yeah, so, so Guardian Circle, I mean, look, our users uh, are not crypto people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 99.9% of Guardian Circle users have never touched a Bitcoin. They're not even on Coinbase, right? So when we decided that we wanted to provide crypto capabilities with Guardian Circle and the Guard, you know, crypto token, uh, we knew that we had to provide a wallet in, in the app, right? But I didn't want to have people have to, you know, use an exterior wallet. It's right there in the app. So when you download the app, you get a wallet in the app, and you even get some free starter guard. I want to, you know, we would give you everything you need to operate in the crypto universe right in the wallet. The other thing we did, um, so I talked earlier about the user interface, we made it so that you can send Guard directly to a name and a face. You never interact with crypto addresses. And when you receive Guard, you receive it from a name and a face, right, just like you do with Venmo. And so, you know, we may even have a number of people who use Guardian Circle and the wallet and the Guard token and not even really realize they're using crypto. You know, it's just to that in their minds, it's like Starbucks points or, you know, or ski ball tickets. It's just this thing that's in this app that we use to reward one another as a thank you. And it seems to have a dollar value associated with it. So they'll, they'll get that because we show how much it is, you know, it's how much it's worth in dollars and um, I, as I, it's trading on the exchanges. And I think it's great that you simplified it that much. So where do they find you? What's your actual domain? Yeah, so our domain is guardiancircle.com. Everything is there. All right. Well, you've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Mark Jeffrey, who is the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle, 
which is helping communities get a hold of each other during incidents, uh, crises, and also being able to earn uh, cryptocurrency through that adoption and usage. So if you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back with more with Mark on The Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. I have special guest, Mark Jeffrey, who is a award-winning author and the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So in today's show, we talked a lot about Mark's really deep background in technology, how he also got into not writing novels, which is an aside, and how he was really passionate about creating this platform, Guardian Circle, uh, which is really like OnStar for people, a, a replacement for Life Alert, like Life Alert generation, the next generation. So Mark, I wanted to ask you, we're about to hit a new year in 2020. What do you think is on the horizon for blockchain and cryptocurrency? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Um, well, we saw this big peak in this big sort of um, crazy euphoric uh, period in like, you know, end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Um, and now we're in sort of the trough of despair, which, you know, mirrors in many ways exactly what happened with the dot-com boom and bust, which as you now know, I, you know, was part of and lived through. Um, and, you know, that, you know, back then, in the sort of late 90s, uh, there was about $7 trillion worth of um, venture money poured into Pets.com, you know, <laughs> all the companies that we know. And it all crashed and went away. And, uh, you know, and pretty much the, the vibe was, well, that was stupid. Uh, this Internet thing is never going to take off. It's dumb. Uh, and everyone was talking about, like, well, it's all about B2B and enterprise. And, yeah, that consumer Internet was always a mirage. Now it's about intranets and extranets. So there was that kind of vibe that was going on from like 2000 to roughly 2004 or five. Um, and, but the correct answer in that sort of trial of despair was to found LinkedIn, to found Facebook, to found MySpace, to found, uh, to, to be Google and to get traction. Uh, you know, pretty much all of the great, and to be Amazon and continue to get, you know, massive traction. Yep. So pretty much all the great consumer companies were founded in that little trial of despair. I think that's where we are in crypto right now. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of deaths. There's going to be a lot of main chains that just vanish and die, probably, you know, 70 or 80%. Uh, but those that live through it and, and, and will be some new ones that come along, uh, keep their heads down and build quality products, you actually have a really interesting opportunity right now because there's not very many new coins being made. <laughs> there's not, you know, a lot of people have given up and gone home. So you've got this it's going to pick back up at some point. It's, I don't know exactly when, but probably in the next year or two would be my guess. And when it does, if it's anything like the dot-com boom and bust, the next pump, the next wave of, of value dwarfed the previous wave. So, you know, you'll, it'll be 10x what the previous wave was. So we haven't seen that yet. That's yet to be in our future. So in some fashion, that's where it's going. It'll be on the consumer side. It's very insightful. Uh, when you talk about the trial of despair, it, it's really uh, akin to Gartner's hype cycle. So, you know, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies had a huge run up a couple of years ago. 
Uh, now we're in the trial of disillusionment where people are jaded because there are a lot of people who got into the space thinking they'd become uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency millionaires or billionaires because a few people did that. But here's an interesting statistic. I read an article recently that people thought that uh, blockchain was on a death knell because there's less searches for software developers to become uh, blockchain software developers. So that's the statistic. It's down by you know some percentage. On the other hand, for enterprise companies, so large Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies, blockchain software developer job openings are up 25%. So that tells me that just to the point you were making a couple minutes ago, because of the trial disillusionment, those who are trying to get in for quick money or thought there was like some uh, pot of gold in the rainbow, they're all self-selecting to get out. But the large enterprise companies, and we even saw this a couple of years ago when Jamie Dimon of uh, JP Morgan was like, oh, I don't believe in Bitcoin. I think cryptocurrency is passe. He immediately talks about JP Morgan coin. So, right. so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that, again, that mirrors what happened in the you know early 2000s when all the consumer internet engineer jobs vanished and all the you know enterprise intranet jobs opened up and started growing. And um, but I, you know, I, just like back then, I'm not a big fan of the enterprise blockchain for kind of a really simple reason, and that's what blockchain does really well is establish trust amongst a lot of people who don't trust one another. If you're inside of a corporation, you by definition know everyone and trust everyone, so you should just use a database. Yep. And I just don't think blockchain really does anything for you behind the firewall. And a lot of people are trying to use it. And in fact, when you go look at Hyperledger and actually look at what most of the time it is, it's a bunch, you know, it's three MongoDBs uh, in replication with one another with a Kafka queuing engine on the front end. That's just called a database. Um, it's just behaving in a blockchain-ish kind of way and how it's storing the data. But it really isn't open and, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. Yeah, I've got so much commentary on what you just said, but that's going to have to wait for a future show. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, just in summary, I think enterprise blockchains in most cases like you um, shouldn't be done. But I do think there's risk and compliance applications that are not yet thought of. So, Mark, yeah, we're almost out of time. I loved having you on the show today. You should definitely come back. Uh, Mark Jeffrey, who is the founder and CEO of Guardian Circle. Uh, give the domain one more time, Mark. GuardianCircle.com. Right. And, again, this is Keith Koo, Silicon Valley Insider. You have any questions or comments, you can always email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 